0: right? Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning, CLC? Yeah, it's such a gorgeous day outside, like after all the snow that we got, and it finally starts to warm up. I think spring is coming, and I look at the forecast, and it's not coming, but I'm just going to enjoy like the warm weather while it is here. Goodness, I was singing so loud. I had to get some water. So, Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Nathan, and I'm so excited to be bringing the last sermon in this sermon series that we're on called The Principle of the Path. And this is, it's a little unusual because this is part six in a series, and so it's a little unusual that we ever get that many sermons in a series. And so if this is your first time in the series, let me try to get you up to speed here on what we've been talking about for the past few weeks or a couple months, really. Um, Josh has been preaching on this idea that our direction, not our intention— determines our destination. That's the principle of the path, that in life, we set ourselves on paths and that direct us towards our future. And even if we have the best of intentions, no matter what we're aiming at, it's the direction and the path that we're on that will eventually take us where we will end up in the future. The decisions that we make in so many areas of our life, and Josh has been, been focusing on certain key areas like money or our greed or selfishness in our living, or perhaps like if you were here last week, you heard him talk about our thoughts and how our thoughts themselves and what we allow ourselves to dwell on and think on are a path because that sets up for where we end up in the future. And if you've ever found yourself wondering how in the world you got to a certain point in your life, maybe financially or in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids or even spiritually with your relationship with God, or perhaps you're looking into the future, you know where you want to end up and you want to make sure that you're on that right path, then I would highly recommend going back and taking a listen to some of the sermons in the series because they're all about the fact that our direction, not our intention, determines our destination, where we end up in the future. Uh, and in the, the very first week, Josh just used this metaphor, and it, he made it sound like, I don't know if this is just Josh's preaching ability, he made it sound like he just kind of kind of came up with it off the cuff, but it's been kind of coming up ever since. This idea of like, if you want to go skiing tomorrow, then what are you gonna do? You're gonna wax your board, wax your skis, dry your gloves from the last time that you fell into a tree well. You know, you're gonna get your, your boots all shined up. Your, your, I haven't gone skiing in a long time. I'm running out of things to do. Um, But you're going to get your stuff ready, and you have every intention. You're going to set your alarm. You're going to wake up early, have a breakfast burrito maybe from Santiago's, and then you're going to head out to I-70. And if you do all that work and you go on to I-70 and you go east, you're going to be smelling the Purina factory before you're even close to going skiing. It'll be like 72 hours, and then you're going to be in the entirely wrong mountain range. And that metaphor has just been kind of coming up as we talk about our direction not our intention that determines our destination. If you want to go skiing, you go to I-70, you go east. Sorry, you're not going to go skiing anytime soon. And I love this metaphor because it's such a great correlation with our lives being like a journey that we're all on. It's like a a road trip, that that we're all on this journey. It's like a road trip together. To uh, to quote the, the words of the immortal poetry collective, uh, Rascal Flatts. Um, Life is a highway, and I'm going to drive it all night long. <laughs> who, knows, who knows the next line in the song? If you're going my way, I'm going to drive it all night long. Because life is kind of like a road trip in this metaphor that I'm just going to kind of keep going. Hopefully, you can follow along with the metaphor. It's like a road trip because it's this long journey that we're all on together. And we each have destinations in mind along the way and at the very end. And I say destinations, plural on purpose because a good road trip always has multiple destinations like you don't get into your car for a three-hour drive to pueblo going like yeah road trip woo! let's go to pueblo no like when when you're on a road trip there's multiple things that you want to do like when we moved out here to colorado from southern california in 2007 Um, I think we brought the rest of the state with us, so sorry about that. Um, But my dad set up the road trip on our way out here such that it was just like us, and the movers had all of our stuff, so it was just myself and uh, Tori and then my other two older siblings in the car in our minivan. We were heading out from Southern California to Colorado, and we we made like certain stops. We didn't just do like the straight shot on I-70. We stopped at the Hoover Dam. And then we stopped at the Grand Canyon along the way. First time I'd ever been there in my entire life. And then we kind of looped up through southern Colorado. On uh, 285, we got to see Mesa Verde. We got to see the ruins there. We got to hike around. Like, we saw multiple things. There were multiple destinations that we were on that my dad kind of planned out for us on the way to our end goal of coming here to Colorado. And the best road trips are always like that. They always have multiple destinations in mind. And our lives are like that as well. And that's what we've been talking about. We all have dreams and goals and ambitions and aspirations, places that we want to go, things that we want to do, and places and things that we don't want to go, places that we don't want to end up, and things that we want to actively avoid. And it got me kind of thinking then about like what are the different types of road trip buddies they're on that that you have along with you? Like there are certain people that just approach road trips in very different ways. Like when I was in college, we went on a couple road trips during spring break out to Utah and Arizona. And some people, some people are like the DJs of the road trip. I had friends who would take like the weeks beforehand, and they would meticulously craft and curate these playlists of just like, all right, we got our chill mood, like for the late sunny afternoons. Then we got the upbeat time for like when we're out and we're unpacking, we need a little bit of jive and energy. Just like, oh, you want a TED Talk? Oh, I got 37 of those. Like you want a podcast? Podcast people, where you at? Podcast? I'm all about the podcast. Yeah, that's me personally. Just like, you can listen to music all day, but I'd yeah, just sign me up for the podcast. Some people... They got the snacks figured out. I was on the, during the the spring break, we had, uh, there's this one person that brought along a five pound bag of Swedish fish, like the the little gummy fruit. Best road trip. Yeah, that was me, by the way. That was me. So if you're on a road trip, I'm your snack man. Like Swedish fish are the best snack for a road trip, hands down. Um, Some people, they're all about like entertaining on the way. Like they're all about like, hey, let's play the alphabet game. Hey, let's play Slugbug. Oh, you don't want to play Slugbug? Okay, well, I'm playing and you're playing too. Um, But that's the thing. Like, road trips aren't a a solo mission. We do them with other people. And we all approach them differently. We have these destinations in mind along the way. But ultimately, you do them with other people. And we don't do life by ourselves either. We don't do life in a vacuum. It's not a solo mission that we're all on. If you're going to be driving all night long, I really hope that there's someone with you so you don't veer off the road so then what we're going to be talking about this morning as we wrap up this series as we've been talking about the paths that we set ourselves on through the choices and the decisions that we make I want to wrap this series up by talking about the people in our life as well and the fact that they have paths too and they have destinations as well And they have things that they want to do. They have things that they want to go to, places where they want to end up, things that they want to avoid as well. And when you put all of that together into one road trip of life, then you start to end up realizing, hopefully, that those people will start to impact and affect your destination and your journey. They will start to define your own paths as well. And there's some times when the people around you will determine your path that will determine your destination. And I'll come back to that just a little bit later. <clears throat> so, so just to be clear, when we're talking about who it is that is in the car with us on this road trip of life, I'm just going to milk that metaphor for all it's worth. I want to be clear about who it is that I'm talking about. Because there are some people, if, you, if you've ever hung out with Josh and you've gone to downtown Evergreen, or you've been in within like a 15 mile radius of downtown Evergreen, and he gave me permission to say this, like he can walk into any coffee shop, into any like bookstore or restaurant, and he knows every person in there, and he knows every person's in their mom and their mom's second cousin and what their dog's name is. Like some people, they can just like know all the people, they just ha- seem to have a lot of friends. And other people of us are a little bit more like reserved in like who we would consider friends. Um, and re- like how we would classify our close relationships. And as I was doing some research on this, I came across this guy named Robin Dunbar, who's this British anthropologist. And after doing some studies in the 70s, he kind of came up with this, uh, this idea of Dunbar's number, or really Dunbar's numbers, that the average person has a kind of a, a cap or a maximum on different types and levels of relationship. And there's a graphic here that I wanna toss up and just go through them really quick. So the average person can have a maximum of like 1,500 faces and names linked in their mind. So just like your 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 favorite barista, maybe, or the person who cleans your teeth, or that one person that you met that one time and for no good reason their name just sticks in your head because it's really unique or maybe they had like a cool tattoo or something. Like 1,500 of those, that's all we can handle. And then on the next level in we have about the, the average person has a max capacity of like 500 acquaintances. So maybe this is the person who does your taxes every year. You know their name, you know their face, and you know their occupation. They know a little bit about you, you know a little bit about them. And then as we close in a little bit more, we get to about 150 people that if you were like throwing a big get together, if you were throwing a big party, you wanna get a big group together to do something, the average person has a maximum of about 150 people that they could maintain a relationship of that uh, level or that intimate closeness with. And then you move in a little bit deeper and the average person has the maximum ability to have about like 35, maybe 50 like close friends. These are the people that you want to spend time with. These are the people that you intentionally spend time with. If you don't live close to them, maybe you call them every couple months. Maybe you try to keep in touch with them, send them a Christmas card and include a handwritten note, something like that. And then we get into like this core nucleus of relationships those last two where there's 15 people the average person all they can handle really is about 15 people that you are close with to the extent of confidentiality that you're going to share things about your life with them that maybe not everyone else around them is going to know so these are the people that you know it's like man if you've been like struggling with something or you have like some like some thoughts that you just want to externally process with someone then the average person has maybe like 10, 15 people at most that they can have that level of relationship with. And then finally, if your life came crumbling down into pieces tomorrow, if everything came crashing down like you got sent to jail and you had one phone call, the average person has about the capacity to have like five of those really close, like who are you going to call in the midst of your deepest, darkest crisis? About those five people. And so this, I want, I'm, I'm telling you this because when we start talking about who is in the car with us on this road trip of life, like, there's a limited number of seats. That's, that's the point of this. There aren't that many seats. Some people might have a, a Corolla going through life with just a few seats. Some people might have a, a white passenger van with a like, little bit of extra capacity. But ultimately, it's a very limited number of people that fit into that. I don't wanna I don't want to go so far as say like every person that you interact with is gonna like drastically change your life forever. So I wanna be careful about exactly how we're approaching this. And remember these are like, these numbers here, these are rough maximums. These are, this was a guy trying to like throw numbers at it and just kind of get an idea of scale here. So this isn't a popularity contest. This doesn't have anything to do with like the number of social media friends or followers or anything like that. It's just about the average person. What's about the average maximum that we are like almost physiologically capable of maintaining at a certain levels of relationships. And the thing is that the people in our life, they come and go. Sometimes the people who sit in those seats will will change for a little bit. Maybe you go to high school in a certain place and then you move out of state to go to college. You know, it's like there will be some change in those seats and who it is in your life that's really close to you, who's really impacting you. Or maybe you take a new job and suddenly you're spending a whole lot of time around a totally different set of people And those people, some of those may start to come in and take seats in the car on the road trip. But ultimately, as we continue, I want you to think about that core nucleus, the people that are most profoundly going to impact your life, that handful of people that are your road trip buddies as you're walking through life. And if you have a hard time maybe figuring out who that is for you, then maybe here here are just some questions that I want want to run through really quick just to perhaps give you an idea of who those might be. If you can think of a couple right off the top of your head, but you're kind of wondering, like, oh, maybe it's not just my family. Maybe it's not just my college roommate. Because sometimes those people that fill the seats can, like, surprise me. It kind of surprises me as I was kind of thinking through these. So first of all, kind of the obvious one, who do you spend the most time with? Because when I graduated college. I don't know about you, but I started working in a job that has a cubicle that is right next to another cubicle. And suddenly I was spending a whole lot of time with a person I'd never met before, had no intention of ever having a friendship or relationship with, but now I'm spending more time with them than I do my family or my friends from college or most people here. So who are you spending the most time with? Maybe there's a sports league that you're really involved in, or there's like some activity that you do on a weekly basis and you see the same people over and over and over again. Who do you go out of your way to impress? Who are the people that when you're around them, you maybe stand a little straighter or watch your words just a little bit more? Might be your boss at work, hopefully, in a healthy way, that's true. But maybe there's like that one person, they're just so cool and you really want them to think that you're cool too? And that is gonna impact your life if you are worried about impressing that person. See, it's not always just the people that you naturally think of when you think of who am I close to, but rather it's like, who am I trying to impress? And then finally, who do you trust? Like if you had one of those moments where everything came crashing down or you had a life crisis and things came uh, came up that you didn't know what to do, how to handle, Maybe you're not going to go and talk with your absolute best friend. Maybe you're going to go talk to this person that you haven't spent a whole lot of time with necessarily, but you trust their input. I have There's a, there's a guy that mentors me. I only see him once every two weeks, like for an, a couple hours at a time, sometimes not for a couple months. And yet that impact that he has on my life is far greater than some people that I spend hours a day with. So it isn't always just about time. It isn't always about just physical proximity, but who, it, who is it that you're trying to impress? Who is it that you trust? These are the people that are on the road trip with you. These are the people that, whether you like it or not sometimes, those are the ones occupying the seats in the car. Those are the ones that are with you, riding shotgun in the back seat, passing you the Swedish fish gummies because they're good friends. Um, and I think it's easy for us to agree upon the fact that the closer we get to that nucleus the more of an impact those people have on our life. And it's no surprise, therefore, that the Bible has a lot to say about this on the topic of friendship and relationship and how those come into our lives and affect our path and affect our direction. The Bible has a ton to say about it. And in particular, I wanna be looking at the book of Proverbs, which is a a book that we've been looking at quite a bit throughout this this series about path and direction and destination and intention. Um, And if you're not familiar with the Bible, the uh, or the book of Proverbs, it was written, or I, I should say it was rather, it was compiled by a guy named Solomon. He was a king of Israel, and he was purported to be the wisest man who ever lived. He was a great man, a great speaker, He but he also liked to compile wisdom together. He liked to go and hear other people, what they had to say, and so the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom from Solomon and other sources as well, and a lot of the Proverbs are these, like, Little bite-sized nuggets, almost like fortune cookie-esque, like little sayings that aren't like predicting future, but they are black and white sayings that are imparting um, like an idea, a concept. And it's, it's, it's easy to read the proverb sometimes and just think like, oh, it's saying I should do this and then this will happen. I guess that's a guarantee right from the mouth of God. It's like, well, that's not entirely what a proverb is. The, the point of the proverb isn't necessarily to make a point. The point of a proverb is that you don't miss the point. And so when we read the proverbs, it's important to read them and say, like, what's the point that's being made here? What am I, what is the author worried that I might miss here? And in proverbs, people as a whole generally fall into two categories, like it's just black and white, just like draw a line down the middle. They fall into the category of wise and fools. And each of those terms related to people is mentioned about like 40 times each in the book of Proverbs. I like to draw a line right down the middle and say like, these are the wise people, these are the foolish people, or, or the wise people or the <laughs> foolish people. You guys are you guys are all great. <laughs> um, and and. Um, they're each mentioned like 40 times throughout the book and Josh a couple weeks ago gave this great definition that I really like about like what is wisdom like when the Bible talks about wisdom especially in the Proverbs and it's basically the idea of wisdom is like all right so that back there is related to this right here which is connected to that up there it's all connected together somehow and so I should be mindful of that whereas on the other side you have foolishness, which is to say, like, nothing that I do today will matter tomorrow. It'll all be fine. It's going to be great. And so the Proverbs, especially this one, is do, like, uh, often divides people into these two categories. And in Proverbs 13, verse 20, we see this black and white stance on relationships and direction. It says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And this is what most of the book of Proverbs is like. Just these little bite-sized nuggets, like one sentence, 15 words, providing this, the, a concept. It's making a point, making sure you don't miss the point. And Solomon here is saying, the people that you spend your time with, the people who are close to you in your life, will have a huge influence on your life. That's the point that he doesn't want you to miss in that verse, <clears throat> And I like to sometimes look like the the Bible, we we read it in English, but it was written in ancient languages. It was, uh, the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew. And so I like to sometimes go back and take a look at like the key words and like what they mean, because it's not always like a perfect one-to-one correlation of like, oh, this word means exactly this word in English. Like they don't have words for uh, chips or like Cheetos or anything like that. So, but the word that he uses up there, companion, it's really interesting because that word, it's the Hebrew word, uh, R A apostrophe A H Ra I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that Hebrew word for companion. And it actually translates literally to to graze with or to pasture with. And wherever it's, else it's used in the Old Testament in a very agrarian agricultural society, it is talking about a herd of livestock or sheep or sheep, sheep or goats or cows. Or oxen, all coming together and hanging out in a field and eating. They're just, they're in the herd, they're in their group, they got their, their people, and they're hanging out eating in a field. That's what the word means. So he's saying that the people that you graze with, the people that you pasture with, those are the ones that are going to affect your life. And he went so far to say, like, the fools, the companion, the person who grazes with and pastures with fools, is going to suffer harm. That's a really strong statement to make. That's a little bit sobering to think about. Because Solomon is saying that you will become like the people that you hang out with. That you will suffer the same consequences of their choices on your life. Because I'm willing to bet that the people who suffered harm, the fools that Solomon was talking about, the people who are just saying, like, in every single moment, nothing that I do matters, and I'm just going to do what I want to do today, and then tomorrow will be a new day. Nothing that I do today matters for tomorrow. The people who live like that, they're not out, like, seeking to suffer harm, putting themselves into harm's way because they have this guy that's coming along with them or this girl that chooses to hang out with them. No, that's where they were headed regardless of whether or not this person was with them. That was their destination. That was the path that they were on. And Solomon is saying that if that's the person that you spend your time with, their path will become your own, their destination will become your own destination, regardless of what you intend to happen in the first place. The people that you do life with are a path. The character of the people around you will determine your destination. And this isn't the only place in the book of Proverbs or in the Bible that it talks about the impact that the people around us have on our lives. Further on or further back in Proverbs 12 verse 26, it says this, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Notice the verbiage here, like one who is righteous is a guide walking down a path, showing them the way towards a destination. And on the flip side, the way of the wicked leads them astray. The way that they are on leads a person off of a path that they previously were on to a place where they never wanted to go by themselves. And then in the New Testament, we have in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Paul, the guy who wrote 1 Corinthians to a a church in the city of Corinth, said this, do not be deceived. And then he quoted a Greek philosopher who was known for saying, bad company ruins good morals. And we still say that today. Like, I I usually hear bad company corrupts good morals. Maybe just like a different version pulling from this verse. But the people that you're with will ruin good morals. What are morals? They're intentions. They're aspirations towards who we want to be. They are a picture of the character that we want to have. And yet, bad company will ruin those intentions and set us on a different path. So here's a big idea that I want us to remember this morning. Going back to our analogy about the road trip. It's this, if you have a car full of people who all want to go different places, someone's going to end up going where they don't want to be. If you have a car full of people who all want to go different places, someone is going to end up going where they don't want to go. That's just how it works on road trips. That's how it works on life. And what is the number one job of the person riding shotgun on a road trip? Anyone? Anyone? Navigator, that's it. That's the job of the person riding shotgun with you. The people who are sitting right next to you on a road trip, they're the ones holding the map. They're the ones saying like, hey, the gas station? Yeah, that was at the last turn. It's okay, there's another one in a few miles. We'll probably make it. Or, hey, you're headed toward Bryce Canyon? We wanna go to the Grand Canyon. You're in the wrong state. Like, heads up. Or like, hey, dude, you just turned east on I-70. What are you doing? We're trying to go skiing. you got to turn around. Go west on I-70. The people that are sitting next to us in life are the ones helping us navigate through the twists and the turns. And it's the most pronounced and it's the most dramatic when we're not really sure of where we're going. Because if you haven't decided on a direction for your life in these key areas, if you haven't decided, like, what you want your financial future to be, If you haven't decided like what kind of marriage that you want, well, I'm gonna just tell you right off the bat, the people around you are going to impact your life even more because if you haven't settled on a direction, then you're way more likely to follow along with people who have settled on a direction, regardless of whether or not it's the right one. Think back to the first time that you went hunting or backpacking or camping, something like really outdoorsy. Again, I grew up in Southern California, so the first time that I went like backpacking, it was my, my dad and my brother. Did you come along with that, Tori? Were you there when we first went backpacking, yeah. when we first moved here? Yeah, man, I was terrified. I had no idea what I was doing. My dad had like camped before growing up, and so he, went, he knew what, what was going on. I guarantee you, if my dad would have told me to bring along a quarter-inch steel plate to put under my sleeping bag so the bears couldn't burrow up underneath, and eat me? I would have done it. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was totally trusting that my dad knew what was going on in that moment. I had all the faith in the world that he knew what to do, and anything that he said, that was gospel truth. And uh, he could have messed with me a lot more than he actually did. Thank goodness he was he's, he's nice. But you lean on the experience and the expertise of the people around you in these new situations in order to help you get to the destination that you want to go and you trust that the path that they're on and the destination that they're headed towards is the one that you want to be going towards also. And parents, I think this is easiest to see in the lives of your kids with all the voices that are vying for their attention. And you know where they, where they should end up, where you know you want them to go. And it's a battle for them to see where is it that they need to end up going because there's so many voices Telling them what they should focus on, who they should think themselves to be, who God is, who they are, who the people around them are. The people that are riding with us through life are a path that set us towards a destination. And if this is if this is starting to get you think about certain relationships or friendships or people in your life that are perhaps detrimental, like you've seen some negative impacts of people in your life. There's there's a sermon that Josh preached a while back in August. It was on August 10th. It's on the podcast. It was in the series on guardrails. And in the series, we're talking about setting up guardrails, healthy, proper boundaries to prevent wreck and ruin from coming into our life from outside sources. So if this is if this is getting you thinking about certain relationships or people or friendships that you realize are having an, a, a negative effect on your life, I really encourage you. It is August 10th of 2019 in the Guardrail series. Highly recommend giving that sermon a listen for more on that. Because th- the point of this isn't to say that you should measure your friendships and relationships by how beneficial they are to you. That is not what I'm saying. Don't. Li- I'm not saying that we should live a selfish life focusing on what's best for me right now but because if that's how God treated us based upon how beneficial or how much that we could offer him or how good we were to him then we never would have had a chance of Jesus coming that's not the message that the gospel leads us towards that is not the life that that God wants us to live just selfishly evaluating our relationships. The point is rather, Solomon is saying, hey, be mindful of this. Be careful. Don't, let, don't, don't miss this point. The point of that proverb isn't to make a point about the life that you should live, just focused on how beneficial the people are around you to your own life, but rather to make sure you don't miss the point that the people around you will have a drastic impact on your life. <coughs> What kind of road trip buddies do you have? And more importantly, are you aware of the impact that they have on your life? So here's what I want for us this week. As you're going about your day-to-day, as you're going to work, picking your kids up from school, going to class, hanging out recess, going to trivia night, maybe doing a beer hockey league, whatever you're doing, like pay attention to the people that are around you. Pay attention to the people that you spend a lot of time with. Pay attention to the people that You want to impress. Pay attention to the people that you trust, that you want to open up to, that you want to confide in. Who are those people? What's their path? Where are they headed? If they're, uh, where are they headed uh, financially? Where is their marriage going? Where is their parenting strategy leading them? Where is the way that they treat their friends leading them? Where are they going in their faith? And then ask yourself, if that path became my own, how would I like that? Is that a good path for me to be on as well? And one clear evidence that your path is different from another person's is if you find yourself changing or adjusting or trying to conform yourself to be a different person, especially around the people that you want to impress. That's probably a really clear sign that their path is different than yours because you have to adjust how you are in order to be with them. Maybe you use different words when you're with them. Your vocabulary shifts a little bit. Maybe you talk about people that are close to you in a different way. Maybe you participate in different activities or play different games or consume different substances, or you find yourself telling yourself, it'll be fine just this once. That's pretty strong evidence that you're on a different path than that other, of that other person. And the other thing that I want you to do is this. Don't let the people that are close to you in your life encouraging you and setting you on that right path where, you have the, where the direction of your lives is in tandem, don't let those people go unnoticed. That's a gift. Man, how great is that to go to somebody and just be like, hey, I really wanna work towards this. Can you help me? And they're like, yes. Yes, I want to help you. Like, yeah, you want to get your finances in order? Just like, yeah, I went through what you went through a little while back. Let me show you how I saved more money. Just like, yeah, my wife and I, we were having some real struggles in our relationship. Let me work through this with you. Let me help make my path your path. Let me help you make where I am now the destination that you want. If you have friends that surround you and uphold you and encourage you in the good times and bad, tell them. Tell them how much they mean to you. Encourage them and <clears throat> tell God how grateful you are to them. Even if there's just one person who reminds you of who you are and where you're going and where you want to end up. In your past or in your present. Just give them a call. Shoot them a text and say like, hey, thank you for helping me become a better person. A a person who spends more time in the Bible. Maybe perhaps tell them like, hey, you've been a real inspiration to me in in the way that you treat your husband. And I've never said anything to you, but I want to let you know that it means a lot. Or perhaps you can say like, hey, that advice that you gave me a while back, man, that really meant a lot. Tell the people around you. Tell those people in the car what they mean to you, especially if they're encouraging and appreciating you. If you value and appreciate the people in your life keeping you on the right path, pointed in the right direction, on the way to the right destination, don't hide it from them. And if you want to take all this and step it up a level, consider this. What kind of road trip buddy are you? Whose car are you in? More likely than not, the people sitting around you, the people that you spend a lot of time with, well, in order to spend a lot of time with someone, they have to spend a lot of time with you too. And when you confide in someone, often that brings a level of closeness to that relationship. If you ask for advice from someone else, they're going to share their life with you. So what kind of road trip buddy are you if you want to take this to the next level? I remember when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I had this realization that I was the same age as the guys that I thought were so cool when I was eight or 10 years old. And I was like, whoa. I am that guy now. I'm the cool guy. Actually, wasn't that cool, but <laughs> I was the cool guy. And the thing is that no matter how many people there are that look up to you, that are watching you, that want to spend time around you, that want to seek out <coughs> your advice, those are the people that you're in, the ca- you're in their car too. You're affecting their life as well. You are asking them, to compromise their intentions and their morals. Where is your road trip headed? What path are you leading the people around you on? Is that the path that they want to be on? And if your path became their path, how would they feel about it? We don't do life solo. The ro- this road trip that we're on together is not a solo mission that we do in a vacuum. We do it together with the people that are close to us, to the people that mean a lot to us. And as we're wrapping up the series about talking about our path and our destination, it's important to realize that the people sitting around you, they have destinations in mind as well. And their destination and their path will affect yours, and your path and your destination will affect theirs. It's easy to think that this road trip is just like a whole bunch of people on motorcycles just kind of zipping by, just like each person just kind of doing their thing, but... No, we're all in minivans together. We all have a few seats in the car. We all have a few people who are really speaking to our life. who are really going to impact and affect it. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss that point. Let's pray.